Pele leaned in and said something to Freddie. Don't let them change you. Keep working on what makes you different and what makes you special. It was great advice, but it caused me some problems. But what could change Freddie do? Soccer is going to explode and it's going to be around this kid. We were the Beatles. Everywhere we went, it was the Freddie show. And with that came the expectation and with that came the pressure. New episodes of American Prodigy drop Tuesdays from Blue Wire Podcasts. This is Greg Olson, and I'm thrilled to introduce my new podcast, TE1. You can listen to my in-depth conversations with notable past and present players like Tony Gonzalez. When I play catch with my son, I get joy when the ball hits my hands and I tuck it away. Travis Kelsey. I appreciate you doing this, man. Getting everybody a little educated on the tight end world, man. It's a tight-knit family, baby. George Kittle. Tight ends love each other. We have each other's back, and we all experience the same stuff. And many others. Check out TE1, a new podcast from Blue Wire on Stitcher. Subscribe to TE1 today. Hey everyone, welcome to my new podcast. You are now on the hook with Abner Maris. What's going on, guys? Uh, welcome to another episode of On the Hook with Abner Maris. And man, I got someone really special. A guy that I, I have to look, I got it written down, everything. Because this bio, my God, you know, I want to introduce former WBO, WBC, ISKA, WKA, world champion, not only in boxing, but in kickboxing. He's also, he's an author of a book, The Fighter's Kitchen. He's an analyst on ESPN for top rank, Chris Alger. How you doing, Chris? I'm doing great, Sham. Thanks for having me. Man, it's, and, and it's going to keep going, man. You're still young. You're still active, correct? Correct me if I'm wrong. You're still, I, I, your last fight was not that long ago. The reason I say that, because that was the last year I fought too. Yeah, well, I mean, 2000, 2020 has really put everybody on hold. Um, yes. And I don't know how you feel about fighting without the crowds, but I'm not a big fan of uh, with that. I really, dude, I want, I want crowds, man. That's, that's part of the reason exactly. why we, we do this. You know, it's that, it's that rush, it's that feeling. So, uh, yeah, no, I'm still active, but it's, it's been a minute. Yeah, I said, well, 2019, me too. A lot mm-hmm. of people think that I'm, I'm retired, but, you know, we're not. Yeah. And uh, so, Chris, man, welcome to my show. Thank you for taking the time, brother. Really no appreciate it. And, and man, what, what a vibe you got, bro, and you're killing it out there, man. So let's let's back it down a little bit. You know, let's let's talk about what got you into boxing. I read a lot, and, and you know, about Chris Algeri being a model. You know, why? what is he doing boxing when he could do, be doing other things? But what caught you into boxing, bro? Honestly, man, it's, it's the first sport I ever remember watching or even talking about. You know, sports were not really big in my household growing up, surprisingly. But um, my grandfather, my mother's from Argentina. So my grandfather, you know, boxing was everything. It was boxing and, 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 and football, soccer. So, like, that was all we ever, ever talked about in the house. And I could vividly remember sitting on his lap, watching Tuesday night fights, watching Friday night fights, and him just telling me about all these great champions. And I was just like... You know, when your hero is talking about his heroes, you know, how do you not be like, oh, I want to do that? And he was always like, no, no, not for you. You're too smart. You know, you can do other things. But, you know, the bug was already there and you know, already bit. For me, it was literally like me being a professional boxer, me being a world champion. I'm living my dream every day, like my childhood dream. Like this is all I've ever wanted to do. 
So it's funny when people are like, yo, where'd this guy come from? You know, because I kind of started late. When you say late, what, what age did you start? Well, I was a martial artist first and then even kickboxing. Um, I, had, I started fighting, competing when I was about 14 or 15. I turned pro at 19, but I didn't have my first boxing match. I mean, amateur pro, mm -hmm. my first boxing fight was my pro debut and I was 25. So, wow. you know, like that is like, but you, you've always been an athlete. Like you said, yeah. kickboxing is some similar to boxing, obviously without the kicking, but you know, you've always mastered the, the, the craft of, you know, the stand up, you know, the throwing mm -hmm. punches. But, uh, listen, one thing that caught my attention and, and you mentioned, you know, you saw, you, you saw boxing, you know, growing up, your father introduced you to it. But one thing that you never, never put apart was school. Yeah. You were always, you know, well-educated, read a lot. And that's, that's something that we've fallen, you know, mm -hmm. we, we, I, myself, you know, I come from the ghetto, I come from money. So boxing was for me like the, you know, a lot of people say it's the poor man's sport, you know what I'm saying? Like we see it as this is going to get us out of poverty. Was it similar to you? Were you in that situation also? Or you saw it just as, as something you love and something you just want to be good at? Yeah, no, for me, it was a passion project because, um, you know, I grew up in a middle-class family household on Long Island. Um, boxing's not very well known along Long Island, especially like 10, 15 years ago. There were no boxing gyms. Buddy McGirt's from Long Island, but you know he had his gym out in Central Islip. He's a friend of mine too. I talk to him all the time now. But there was not a lot of boxing on Long Island, so for me, it wasn't one of those things where like this was my way to get out. Long Island's a nice place. Right. I, you know, I come from a nice area, but for me, it was like uh, I just I wanted to be a fighter. I, this is what I wanted to grow up to be, um, and I just I just love the sport. So that lets you know that you know being a fighter doesn't just necessarily have to mean that you know you you're fighting out of poverty like I did. You know, you just you know you just want to be a fighter. You wanted to be good at it and and be a world champion. And speaking of world champions, you fought a lot. You know, you you mentioned you know three Manny Pacquiao, Errol Spence Jr. That third one, I'm forgetting. Um, Amir Khan, Ruslan Prokhorov. Amir Khan, yeah, my yeah. twin brother. How can I forget? They said we look alike. Do we look alike? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Not really. I mean, not really no, I don't. <laughs> they always tell me, man. They're like, yo, man, you look like Amir. Talk to me about those three fights, man. The experience of fighting, obviously, Manny Pacquiao. You know, the likes of Errol Spence, like we mentioned, Amir Khan. How was that, man? Being mm -hmm. in the ring with him. So, I mean, all three, all four of those guys are, are absolute stars. I mean, the Ruslan fight, I remember watching him on ESPN years before, and I was like, God, I would hate to be in a ring with that guy. And uh, fast forward a couple years later, I'm like, there he is. <laughs> um, <laughs> just, you know, brutally strong guy, really, really tough, made out of iron. And then Manny, I mean, dude, to this day, at 42 years old, what he did to Keith Thurman in that last fight was so impressive. I, ever since I fought him, I've been a fan, because I, I, I can't believe people are like that, you know, so fast, so strong, so smart. And then the Amir Khan fight, I always wanted to fight Khan. I just felt like the, the matchup was going to be real, would be a good matchup. Me being a boxer, me being quick, you know, him being, you know, super fast and, uh, and his high level, you know, amateur and everything. But I just thought our styles would match up really well to make a great fight. And it did, you know, to this day, it's one of my it favorite is. fights to go back and watch. Um, you know, that, that was, that was a good scrap. And then Spence, man, he's, he's one of those guys. He's just, uh, I call him the Terminator. He just, just comes forward. He's super strong. doesn't matter what you hit him with. Um, and he just does his job. And, and, and he's got a lot more to, to go as well. But, uh, yeah, no, it was, it, was, it was a run with some, some super tough guys back to back to back. You know, that's, that's where I see myself. I see myself with those top guys. 
And it's crazy because you mentioned three different styles. I mean, yeah, totally different styles. You know, Manny Pacquiao being the counterpuncher, uh, aggressive at times. Well, most of the times, uh, Amir Khan, the, the fast guy, Super and fast. Errol Spence. You know, Errol, Errol Spence picks you apart, right? He's yep. the type of guy that you know, round by round, he, he doesn't waste punches. He doesn't no. throw the most most punches, but he, you know, he, he accumulates great. You know, he put pinpoints here and there, but he, he does damage. And man, you know, those are great fights. I mean, 36, I'm 35. I still want to put myself in a position where I could still fight for a world title. Mm. Is that still in your mind? You still want to go for a title shot? Just like you said, I mean, that's the only reason to be here. If I didn't see myself vying for a world exactly. title again or being able to win a world title, I'd be done. I'd be done. If I, if I can't, if I don't see myself being with the top of the guys in the division, if I don't see myself winning a world title, if I don't believe in my heart that I can win a world title, I'm done. I'm wrapping it up today. Man, what a, thank you, thank you, because that's what I tell everybody. Listen, I'm thirty, I'm thirty five. Mm -hmm. I don't feel my age. I, I'm, you know, I, I stay, I stay in the gym. I physically, I, I feel great. Um, and and like you mentioned, you know, mentally, I feel like I wouldn't put myself in a position. Obviously, my circumstance is a little bit different because of my eye. I suffered a detached retina, and people say like, you know, why would you risk your health? you know, for a pay paycheck, but it's not even like that. I feel like I'm still capable of fighting these elite level fighters. And that's why I'm going for it. And, and you put it perfectly, man. We would not put ourselves in this position if we didn't know, you know, we, we had an opportunity. Uh, and speaking about being healthy and maintaining great, great body structure and figure obviously comes with nutrition. And, and that's something you majored in. But what made you uh, get into nutrition? So uh, it's because of my sports, you know, uh, between, so I was a wrestler in high school. I kickboxed in college and then obviously boxing. Now they're all weight restricted, weight, weight category sports. So right. making weight was always important. And I remember how much damage I did to myself when I was younger, trying to make weight, like in high school wrestling. I mean, oh, I was killing myself, killing myself. And uh, I was miserable all through high school because of that. And uh, I also saw how it affected my performance. So I was like, all right, if this can make me worse, it can make me better too. Right. So for me, I was like, I need to figure out how this can make me better. And uh, I honestly think it helped out my boxing so much because, you know, I didn't have all the amateur fights like, like all you great guys do, like all you world champions. All the guys that I fought, they all have so much experience. I never had that. I had to make up the ground on, you know, being bigger, faster, you know, making the weight easier, being more, you know, having more in the gas tank. So I made up a lot of that lack of experience in, 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 in boxing with my athleticism and my ability to be, you know, to be a better athlete, to be a more prepared person on fight night. Yeah, and something people don't realize, I mean, most of them, most of the cases of fighters, after we make weight, a lot of people like to eat junk food. You know, a lot of people think that just because they're going to weigh heavier than the guy, they're going to have more power and an advantage, right? I mean, you can right. see your reaction. A lot of people have that idea. Elaborate on that. Is it true or is it not? For sure. So um, I deal with this. So I work with a lot of other fighters as well. Uh, that's more of a recent thing the last couple of years. Probably more MMA fighters, like mixed martial artists than, than boxers um, in, in the past. But uh, I see, well, especially a lot of those MMA guys, they cut a lot more weight than we do. A lot more. Really? And uh, Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because they have a wrestling background. Um, and also just the style of the fight, like a 12 round world champion boxing fight. I'm telling you flat out, that is metabolically the most demanding sport in the world. Most difficult thing anyone has ever done is a 12 round world championship boxing fight. I will, I will take that to the grave. Um, really? Yeah. Oh thank you for saying that. Cause I would always think that wrestling, you know, being on the ground, manhandling someone like that would tire me out. It's so Period, short. You know? So uh, a championship MMA fight is 25 minutes, five, five. Yeah. A 12-round world championship boxing fight is 36 minutes of action. 
So it's like, it's, it's that much more. It's 11 more minutes of action. It's another three rounds. True. feel good about myself now. <laughs> so tell me, Love so you. a lot of people, the fighters, you know, they, they eat a lot thinking that, you know, being heavier. Oh, I hear oh, now. So back to that. So uh, a lot of the MMA fighters that I work with, these guys would, you know, they'd be cutting, you know, 10 pounds to make the weight and then they put on. And if you were training at a certain weight, so say, for example, you got to make, um, you know, one, 130 and then you've been <laughs> training most of the camp at 140. But then mm -hmm, you come yeah. in the ring at 150, you're a different guy. Your body's different. You're going to move different. Your, your, your conditioning is going to be different. So you want to be the guy that you've been in camp, not, not the bigger guy. The bigger guy's not better. Yes. You know, and the best example I always use with this one is Canelo and Floyd Mayweather when they fought. Canelo, mm -hmm. they 15, 16 pounds heavier. Canelo's a phenomenal athlete, but it didn't matter. Skills pay the bills. Floyd was a much smaller man, but at that stage, he was that much better and you know to you know compared to you know canelo at that age and was able to control the fight and dominate so i you know I, in, at the highest level size matters a lot less everybody's big yeah. at the end of the day skills are, are what matters of course and another example is manny pacquiao when he fought margarito oh, forget, he's yeah. fought these bigger guys you know pacquiao is just you know and pacquiao every fight <laughs> he's always yeah. fighting bigger. <laughs> yeah, <period. laughs> every fight it's a smaller fight any, yeah. against any of them but yeah another another mistake we make fighters um, uh, you know, well, I'm talking for myself. I ain't gonna include no one, but after the fight, we we tend to like you know party, like you know, just blow up, man, just blow up, you know, not take care of ourselves and and blow up at least, man. I'm a, I'm like in the 20 pounds from my weight class sometimes. Mm -hmm. So am I, because I think honestly, because you know, fighters, like you said about like the, the party and the hanging out and like the you know the the opposite, like that's part of the balance of being a fighter. One, one, one reason, I mean, one reason we all fight is because we're, we're, we gotta be a little bit nuts, right? A little bit of that, like, all right, we gotta, you know, we gotta be a certain way. You know, that, that's just kind of like the mindset of what fighters are like. But when you, we work so hard, camps are very long, fights are very difficult. So when you get to live a little afterwards, I think that's, that's part of the process of, of mentally and physically healing, but you gotta know when to buckle down and, and, uh, and not get too far off base. And that's really yeah, what, I, sure. what I tell guys in between fights. Like, listen, all right, you can get to a certain point, but that's not getting any higher than, you know, maybe this or that because it's going to be that much harder to get back down. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Oh, man, I'm, that I'm having problems with right now. The way I, I got to call you after this, after we finish this. Hit <laughs> me up any time, bro. Danny Jacobs, many other fighters, yep. right? Mm -hmm. Yep, yep. Yeah, man, uh, you know what you're doing, definitely, man, because sometimes we – another problem I see with fighters is that there's a, there's a lot of conditioning coaches nowadays. You see them all over. I mean, I'm not talking shit, but it's the truth, you know? I'm, I'll, talk shit. These, I'll talk shit for you. <laughs> please, please. And, and they feel like they know it all, you know? And especially mm -hmm. these bodybuilders, like these guys that are, you know, they, don't, they, they, they cannot compare a, a, a training for a boxer for, you know, someone that just wants to get big, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I've had that problem with conditioning coaches where I go to the gym, they have me lift heavy, mm -hmm. I feel super tight, I get at the gym, I can't, you know, I don't function the same. Um, let, can you talk to, to us about that, man? Yeah, Honestly, I've, and I mean, let's, I, now that's real, you know, we're talking shit on these, because they feel like they, they know it all, and then they put me on this uh, type of food. I mean, everybody isn't entitled to, to eat or, or whatever, you know? I don't know what you think of the keto keto diet and and there's um the vegan diet there's so many diets but i feel like everybody's you know body's different right yeah I absolutely mean. and and also so I'll, I'll touch on the uh the strength conditioning coach thing first what they do sorry guys sorry to hear for you all you conditioning go is this much it's it is it is it is it is, it is, it is, it is ancillary work 
It is ancillary work for a boxer because there's tons of boxers out there who have reached great, amazing heights and did barely any conditioning at all. I mean, it's not – boxing is hard. Hit the heavy bag, do your sparring, do all the – you know, do the work that you get to do. Man, old school, man. Take old it old school. school. You're going to be Rover, conditioned. Yeah. I, know, I know top guys now who do not do much strength conditioning. And usually, the, like, most of the guys that I know that are really big punchers, they don't really do conditioning. They don't care about yeah, lifting weights. True. It doesn't matter. Mikey Garcia is one of them. No, oh, yeah. He's never, never like six pack, none of that. He just, he spars a lot. <laughs> and, and he'll knock you out with a jab. Like, it, it's yeah. just, it's just, it's, it, it doesn't matter as much. When it comes to the conditioning, I definitely think it's important from, more f for your mental to know that you have it, know you have the gas tank, know you feel strong, you're making those gains in the gym, and also it breaks up the monotony of just going to the boxing gym all the time. So I do see the benefit in that. But I do, exactly what you're saying, I think some of these strength coaches overstep their bounds into what yeah. they take out of the athlete. I don't. I can't go to the gym as far if I'm sore. If my biceps are tight, I'm gonna blow a bicep out. I'm gonna hurt myself. If my pec is tight, you know, if I'm sore in my legs, I'm not gonna box. I'm not gonna spar well, and I'm gonna get hit. I'm gonna get hit more. Mm -hmm. so that's not gonna help me on sparring day to be sore. Um, so I think, yeah, I think I think you're right. I think a lot of times those guys go overstep their bounds and they take too much out of the athlete during the camp. Um, but when it comes to like diets and things like that, yes, a boxer's diet is completely different than any other actually any regular person walking around but even other athletes and uh, like things like the keto diet i actually i'm a fan of the keto diet for a lot of populations a lot of different people but not for boxers at all for the really? reason for, the reason for that is scientific that um fat as an energy source is more slow and long duration it's not going to help you be explosive everything in a boxing ring is explosive it's very difficult to be explosive without carbs in your system so keto obviously is very very low in carbs very high in fat moderate protein um, it's very, it's going to be very hard to be explosive or to dip into that, that deeper part of the gas tank while you're on a keto diet. And this is clinically proven. I, I'm not, I'm not spitting. Like I don't like keto. Um, I I've, right. I've, I've read and talked about this stuff. It's just, it's not for boxers. Will you make weight? Sure. Are you going to be able to fight to the best of your ability? No. And at the end of the day, that's what matters is winning. Making weight's important, but you got to win the fight. This is Brandon Kelly, the host of Blue Wire's new podcast, Golden Gold. He takes everybody off. Messi has got it! From Lionel Messi to Marta to Pele, our show takes a deep dive into soccer superstars. It should be 2-0, and is. What a World Cup for Megan Rapinoe. Golden Goal. Soccer stars and the moments that made them on Blue Wire. This is Greg Olson, and I'm thrilled to introduce my new podcast, TE1. You can listen to my in-depth conversations with notable past and present players like Tony Gonzalez. When I play catch with my son, I get joy when the ball hits my hands and I tuck it away. Travis Kelsey. I appreciate you doing this, man. Getting everybody a little educated on the tight end world, man. It's a tight-knit family, baby. George Kittle. Tight ends love each other. We have each other's back, and we all experience the same stuff. And many others. Check out TE1, a new podcast from Blue Wire on Stitcher. Subscribe to TE1 today. Uh, tell us about your book, you know, book that is called The, the Fighter's Kitchen. I mean, you have all this in there. What, what do we talk about? Don't give everything. You want people to read your book. But tell us, well, what made you make, make this book? Exactly this, what we're talking about? You know, actually, so I always wanted to, uh, I actually started working on a book, a, a recipe book like this during the Manny Pacquiao camp. I had a lot of time. The camp was very long. Um, I was cooking a lot. It was getting a lot more attention on social media. And I was like, man, I should just make a cook, uh, make a cookbook. 
And I started writing yeah. all my, my recipes down. And then I had a publisher reach out to me like, hey, we want you to author this book. What do you think about it? I'm like, well, I have to work on one anyway. So, but um, the name, <laughs> The Fighter's Kitchen, I don't love it because it's not really for exactly for really? fighters. No, it, it, it'll help fighters. Anybody could use it. it. The book is made more for anyone who's health conscious and anyone can use it. A fighter can use it. A regular person can use it. Um, it's just going to be about how much you eat and what kind of dietary lifestyle you, you choose because there are recipes in there that are keto. There are recipes in there that are vegan, vegetarian, um, paleo. And I think any one of those types of eating patterns can be used from day to right. day. I just don't think you should stick to them like they're religion. Sure. Uh, if, you're, if you're a fighter, if you're an athlete, you know, eat what your body needs. Don't, don't stick to uh, a regimen because that's the ideology of what people want you to do. If that yeah, makes sense. You're right, yeah, that's it. That's a hundred percent, man. I get you, I'm telling you, man, I'm gonna call you right after this. <laughs> yeah, I'll get, hey, I'll, get uh, you, I'll get you right. Help you out. <laughs> hey, I just had a bet right now because I started uh, selling, I sell slimming gel and I'm doing a yep. waist trainer. I, I had people guess my weight right now. I tell people, hey, guess how much I'm weighing right now and then you get with a free waistband and all that. <laughs> no one guessed it right. Some people went over for us at 190. <laughs> like, yeah, no, man, I'm, I'm deleting you motherfuckers. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but I am a little happy right now. I'm like in the 158s, 160s, you know, but um, yeah, man, I got to get back on that diet you Man, know you're, you're close to me <laughs> you're yeah. close to my weight right Seriously, now man. damn but the good thing is you can't tell honestly you can't you can't no really no you, so a lot of people get it i get it in my face like if i get a little heavy it goes right in my face but no you look you look i was gonna say you look like you look in shape no nah, man it's going right to tell me man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, man hey but uh speaking of fighting man congratulations on on the espn analyst you know working as a commentator how do you like it man I uh, you know I, i'm doing it too uh, and with the difference that you could tell people that it's not that easy either no i mean some no. people because i get it i get it a lot like oh yeah of course you, you got it easy because you know the sport i'm like yeah but you still got to do your homework and all that so tell us man how you like it so I love it for one. And um, I spoke with Tim Bradley at length about this. He loves it too. And, and it's one of those things. I think, I think when, you're, um, when you've been a high-level fighter, but also when you are a student of the game, and I think that's really important, the types of, guys, types of fighters who actually become analysts. Um, you know, it's right in the word, analyst. You got to analyze. You got you to know what you're talking about. You got to know the sport. You've got to be able to communicate it in a way that the people at home right. understand it because people watching it right. are most of them aren't fighters or fight people. So um, it is really difficult. And you said it, the homework. That's what people do yeah. to understand. The, mm -hmm. I mean, Abner, the pages upon pages upon pages yeah. of, of documents that you get for every single show, people will never understand that. You, we're looking at right. 40, 50 pages before every show. And we know details about these fighters that they might not even know about themselves. And listen, I, and I could say, man, it's like going, being back in college, but I, I didn't go to college, so I wouldn't know the feeling, but I see it on TV. But it's like studying. I'm like at two in the morning, like, you know, because I want to keep these names fresh and everything, you know, right. a, a night before. So that's what I do. And one thing that, um, that I'm not going to say his name, you know, out of respect, but it was a great, great advice. And he told me, you know, I was, um, it was uh, a couple of fights back. He said, hey, Amber, come here. And I, and I said, yeah, what's going on? He's like, can I, can I uh, give you advice? I'm like, yes. Don't try to be a pro. Don't try to be a perfectionist. Mm -hmm. Be yourself. You've been in the ring. Talk about, like you said, analyze this, the, what is, what's going on. What would you do? You know, what, what do you see different? Instead of like, you know, sometimes you get caught up in the moment. You have like the expertise next to you and you want to be the professional. Oh yeah. What a great job. You know what I'm saying? Even change the tone of your voice. Like I caught myself doing that. Mm -hmm. But th honestly, I, once he said that, it was like a, 
like a big relief like oh man you're right yeah you're right like just i just be myself like you know obviously without the cursing and all that you know like you would be at home like, like yo put your hands up you know i call myself a few times yeah <laughs> <laughs> let the audience know what he's doing wrong like hey you know he's got his hands down you know he pulls back he might get caught you know he, you know things like that it's simple simple you know choose your words go in go out that's what I tell people. Some people be like, "Man, you, you don't talk much." I'm like, "Well, you know, I I, I talk when I have to. I, I don't like to overstep on anyone or you know talk you know over anyone. You know, again, you know that's that's me. But mm -hmm. you're doing a fantastic job, Chris. I I love it, man. Um, I'm taking notes too, man, because you do you do a really good job, man. Congrats on that. So uh, thank, what's next, thank for you, man. Chris? Man, talk to me. So uh, more, you know. More, more uh, commentating. Obviously, a couple more shows left for for uh, the top rank this season this year, and then man, just hoping for crowds to come back and look for my next fight. I'm just kind of maintaining, staying in shape, sparring every once in a while. I don't like to spar too much outside of camp, but at the same time, I don't like to go. I don't like to go too long without sparring at all. I want to keep that little bit of dog in me. I want to keep a little bit sharp. Um, working on the next book now. This one's going to be com completely different. It's not going to be uh, – this first one's not going to be a nutrition book. It's going to be a boxing book. So I'm kind of working on mm. something that's very different, different lane. But um, I've always wanted to be a writer, so I really enjoy the process. So that's that's part of it. And then, uh, yeah, man, just, just – I'm always busy. Bless you guys, man. Bless you, Chris. You've done a fantastic job, you know, in your career and still doing it. You know, I'm a big fan of that. Um, I respect fighters inside and outside. You know, you, sometimes you like a fighter inside the ring, but outside you don't. You don't look him. You look at him the same because they're mm -hmm. just totally different. You know, and and you're one one of my favorite. I could say, brother, because you carry yourself so well. I respect it. Um, and you, you family, you got family, right? I'm sorry, but uh, I'm, I'm not. I'm not married. I don't have any kids, but um, okay, I'm very okay. close with my with my my family, like my you know my parents, my brother, okay. my, my, and my brother has four sons, and it's like they're like my. my oh, okay. Uncle. So you're the, the favorite uncle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I'm 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 the, I'm the mean uncle. I'm the mean uncle. Oh, really? His dad's nice. Their dad is nice. I'm I'm the mean uncle. Uh, okay. I would always say that. I'm like, oh, I'm not going to have any kids. I'm just going to be the, the cool uncle, you know, that buys everything for them. But no, I got my family on my own, you know, been married 15 years and love it, man. And um, and we are back in 2021, right? You're fighting. Yeah, I got offered a fight in December. But I'm like, nah, I got to wait. I'm going to call my man, uh, Chris Algier, and, you know, tell him to yeah, set me up a nice meal plan, you know. <laughs> got to drop that weight. So next year, it's, it's when I'm coming back. So next year, looking at 2021. Same for, for me, yeah. Early, early 2021. Um, yeah, we got a few Damn more months man. this year, and I just, I, I'm, we're still waiting to see how this pandemic's gonna, gonna, kind of unveil itself. But you know, we're, we're, we're not getting around the same time, man. So. Probably, we might be on the same card. We're not, we're yes, not uh, we, uh, you know, we're not getting any younger, but at the same time, we got to make the right moves. Amen to that, brother. Well, thank you for, for being on my show, Chris Alger. Thank you for being uh, on the hook with Abermiders. Appreciate the time. Appreciate the patience too. Everything. God bless you. And everything and success in all your career. Thank you so much. Thank you, brother. It was a real pleasure. I'm a huge fan. Thank you so much. Anything you need from me, hit me up anytime, brother. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you for listening to On the Hook with Abnormitis. And remember, tell all your friends about the new podcast and to subscribe from wherever they are listening from so they won't miss this or any of the episodes. Follow me on all platforms at Abnormitis. Until next time.
Lindsay Rhodes here. So excited to tell you about my new podcast with Blue Wire, the NFL Roadshow. If you love the NFL, this is the show for you. We've got your breaking news, all the week's biggest storylines, plus a complete breakdown of what they might mean for your fantasy team. I'll also be speaking to some incredible football minds like Trey Wingo. Wins are not a quarterback stat. I will die on that hill. John Hansen. I'm still an Edwards Alaire believer. And a whole lot more. Subscribe to the NFL Roadshow today, wherever you get your podcasts.